Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. A Good Omen's Plot Pick, written by Spinner of Yarns and read by the author. Summary. See? They said. Isn't this better? It was. Oh, it was. But it shouldn't be. Crowley didn't want to touch him. They just didn't want to see him suffer. Or, three times they were compelled to touch due to magical shenanigans, and one time they weren't. Notes. The best part of the sex pollen slash fuck or die trope is all the pining. The whole time both of the characters are like, they're doing this just to help me, slash just because they're compelled to, they don't actually want me, oh woe is me. So I wrote that, except with non-sexual intimacy, because why the hell not? Chapter title, From Friends Will Be Friends, by Queen. Chapter 1. Hold out your hand. Hell was a shithole. It wasn't for the reasons humans thought it was. The oppressive heat wasn't so bad, at least not if you were a cold-blooded creature. The torture could be easily avoided if you knew your way around. But it was filthy and crowded and Crowley hated it. Frankly, it didn't surprise them one bit that something like this would happen to them there. Crowley was only there to give their report to Belzebub, as usual. They voted go into hell when they could. Earth was so much more interesting. And, bonus, if they got tired of the crowds, they could just find a calm, quiet place to rest. There weren't any calm, quiet places in hell. They updated Lord Belzebub and the gathered crowd on the happenings on Earth, lying through their teeth during most of their speech. It was just how hell worked. Truth didn't mix well with all the sulfur. It was like oil and water. Crowley wanted to get out as soon as Lord Beelzebub dismissed them, but they knew better. It was all about appearances. Can't give anybody the impression that their supposed home made them uncomfortable. They stopped by their desk, loitering and trying to look busy, which mostly consisted of shuffling through piles of papers, occasionally stopping to highlight something. When enough time has passed, Crowley got up to leave. They walked towards the nearest exit, which took them past Hell's experimental apps. They were in such a hurry to leave that they didn't notice the door opening before it was too late. Which is how they ended up in a hallway in Hell with a beaker full of a glittery substance spilled on them. Shit, Crowley said quietly between coughs, clamping down on the instinct to apologize. Demons don't apologize, not to those belong them on the food chain at least. Oh no, the young demon fretted. Crowley was pretty sure her name was Bella. Z made some great innovations in the damnation field. Crowley liked her, because Z was a rare demon who favored solutions without unnecessary violence. I really didn't mean to. It's nowhere near ready for human trial. or demon trial. It's alright, Crowley said, once they stopped coughing. They dusted the glitter off of their toga. It stuck to their head instead. What does it do? Desperation. Bella said. It's supposed to make humans desperate for the thing they want the most. Mainly I wanted to use it to give temptation an extra edge and to make it easier to figure out what they want. It should wear off in an hour or so, but it's meant for humans and it's still not finished and I'm so sorry. It's fine, Crowley said. It wasn't. 
I can deal with it. They probably couldn't. And hey, at least you'll get some feedback on your project, eh? Belt laughed nervously. I suppose. Ideally, I'd observe you in lab or environment, but I understand you must be busy. They weren't. But they could feel an itch under their skin that signaled that the spell started working, and they really didn't want to deal with witnesses. They'd worked very hard on their reputation in hell, the last thing they needed was to embarrass themselves and ruin centuries of work. Yeah, busy, yes. Of course I am busy. They nodded, clapped bells on the shoulder, regretting it immediately, and backed away. Great work. I'll keep you posted. They started walking away, and then paused, turning around. Why the hell did you use glitter? Belt seemed confused. Your report said it's the most evil substance on Earth. Right. Well, it wasn't that far from the truth. Pity. They quite liked this toga. Instead of taking the long way home, they simply teleported to their rooms. Now that they were alone, their calm and collected facade cracked. They clutched at a short strand of their hair. After having long hair for most of their existence, they still haven't quite gotten used to it being so short. Funny, Kandinga didn't stop them from dreaming of Aziraphale carting his hands through it. As soon as they thought of Aziraphale, their hearts stuttered, and then picked up, twice as fast as before. Oh no, they thought, not surprised in the least that their utmost desire had something to do with the angel. Gurley hasn't stopped thinking about Aziraphale's hand since they watched him eat oysters seven years ago. He must be so soft. All of Aziraphale must be soft, but Gurley had a special fascination with his hands. They've watched the lovely appendages scoop up oyster shells and pluck grapes and twirl goblet, and they couldn't help but wonder how they would feel entwined with their own. Crowley was glad they managed to get out of hell before the spell truly hit them, because this was just embarrassing. They're the Serpent of Eden, and their deepest wish was to hold hands with a fussy principality. If anyone from downstairs saw them now, they'd laugh. And then flight them, probably. Demons weren't supposed to love, much less to love angels. But it wasn't like Crowley couldn't withstand a bit of humiliation in their own company. Billet said it would wear off in an hour. It'll be fine. It wasn't fine. Fine packed up its bags and broke up with Crowley over a text. It was fine for the first hour. Maybe Crowley had to sit on their hands for the most of it, but what was that in the grand scheme of things? But as the time passed, Crowley grew restless. Shouldn't the spell be wearing off already? They thought, pacing. Rather than lessening, the pull has only gotten stronger. Crowley's breath kept hitching, and they might not need to breathe, but had gotten used to it. And they couldn't think about anything other than Aziraphale's hands on theirs, and they were pretty sure they didn't get to touch Aziraphale soon, they would spontaneously combust. It might be happening already. What else could it be that was making their hands feel like they were on fire? Is this what touching consecrated ground felt like? They had to find Aziraphale. They had to see him. They won't touch him, they wouldn't do that to him, but they had to see him. Maybe that would suit the burn. Probably teleported, hoping Aziraphale was still in Rome. And sure enough, they could feel a faint trail of angelic scent mixed with parchment and wine. Aziraphale. The burning urged them on, 
until they were running through the streets, following that sweet smell. When they found themselves in front of a door, evidently the place Aziraphale resided at currently, they hesitated. They couldn't just barge in. It would be rude. And Crowley was rude, of course they were a demon, but Aziraphale hated rudeness. He didn't hate them, somehow, and Crowley did not want to do anything that would cause him to. But their hands ached so much they feared if they looked down they would find them covered in burns. They wouldn't barge in. They couldn't betray Aziraphale's trust like that, fragile as it already was. They raised their burning hand, surprised to see that it wasn't red and blistering, only shaking, and knocked. Be right there, Aziraphale called, and oh... His voice was like cold water, suiting each and every ache they had. The door opened, and there he was, standing at the threshold, wearing a white robe and smiling, puzzled. Crowley? What are you doing here? Angel, Crowley said, because that's all they could manage. They fell to their knees. Zerfel's presence was soothing, yes, but it also made the pain impossible to ignore. His hands were right there, perfect as ever. So close they could just reach out and... No, they couldn't. Azurfal would never forgive them if they forced their filthy demon hands on him. They'd rather burn than hurt him. Crowley! Azurfal shrieked. What happened? Oh, let me get you inside and I can look you over. He reached out, touching Crowley's shoulders, trying to help them up. Crowley cried out at the touch. It was the most exquisite pain they'd ever felt. Azurfel jerked back at the sound. Oh no, are you in pain, dear? Crowley nodded. Where does it hurt? What can I do? Azurfel fretted. Hands, Crowley croaked. Did you hurt your hands? Azurfel reached for Crowley's hand to examine it. Suddenly the pain stopped. Crowley could see clearly. Aziraphale was clutching their hand, his face scrunched up in worry. They've made Aziraphale worry. They've made Aziraphale worry enough to touch them. They were already unforgivable, that's just what they were as a demon. But that didn't mean they could just carry on doing more unforgivable acts. Crowley jerked their hand back and stood up, immediately missing Aziraphale's touch. I'm sorry, they said. Aziraphale shook his head. There's nothing to be sorry for. Are you alright? Yeah, they forced themselves to nod, although they didn't feel alright. It doesn't hurt anymore. I'm glad. Aziraphale knew better than to ask what happened. Would you like to come in? You still look shaken up. Crowley wanted nothing more than to take him up on the offer, but they'd already overstepped. They made Azerfel touch them. They deserved to crawl under a rock for the next few centuries and hope Azerfel would have forgotten this by then. Better not, they said. Should go. Why else to do? You know how it is. Of course, Azerfel nodded, and Crowley couldn't shake off the impression that he sounded disappointed. Must have been their imagination. Now they just had to decide whether Beloff deserved a punishment or a commendation. End of chapter 1. Thank you for listening.